right. Well, again, welcome back. Um, we are just doing a, a kind of a two-week little mini-series, Jesus and, and Vision, is what Paul has called it online, and uh, we're going to stick with that. And so this is week two. We're just going to be finishing up this, uh, uh, this kind of this little two-week series of, of this. And then, uh, believe it or not, this is wild. This is wild. We have the preaching calendar figured out through the summer of 2024, right? That's impossible, right? Uh, now, that's, there's a reason, a couple of different reasons for that. But I remember years past, as I mentioned last week, I went up to pastor study break uh, with the other pastors at Hope. And, and, um, and we used to, back in the day, when we first started, so this was four and a half years ago when we first started at Hope Lower Town, um, it was all up to, to Pastor Steve, you know, our senior pastor, where he would kind of come up with the preaching calendar. But he's a lot like me, where he is a uh, procrastinator. And so you kind of wait till the last minute uh, to do things, uh, which is fine. But it would be, uh, we were up there, and it'd be like, hey, Steve, what am I preaching on on Sunday? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't know what we're doing next week. Because uh, he would do the whole year up at Pastor Study Break, but it's like, I, I need to know next week. You know what I mean? Like, can we just, and so, but now uh, there's more of a team uh, involved. And so it was a lot of fun just kind of sitting there brainstorming of what, uh, not only what books are we excited about that we want to preach through, but also what are some topics? What are some things that we actually as a church, um, as pastors, want to walk through. And so some hot topic uh, issues, we're going to be having a series on sexuality um, this, this next year. We're going to be looking at prayer. Uh, we're going to be starting Ephesians uh, next week, which I'm really excited about. We're going to be going through the entire book of Ephesians, and then uh, we'll be done with that before the summer. And then in the uh, January of 23, uh, we're going we're gonna to start Romans, believe it or not. So uh, we're going to be in Romans for a good year and a half, though. So giddy up. Uh, so anyways, I'm really excited about that. So anyways, going to be finishing this uh, two-week series. And so I'm going to give a, a recap. Um, uh, there were just some some technical difficulties where it didn't get recorded last week. And so I know a lot of you may not have been here just because of the weather. And so we're going to, um, so I'm going to recap a little bit more than I normally would do. Uh, but then uh, just kind of, again, cast kind of more more vision. And and so then it'll, it'll all be online and and that. So, uh, and again, if you're visiting, and I mentioned this last week, if you're visiting, you're checking out hope, you're checking out Christianity, great. Uh, I hope that you hear about Jesus today, what you will. Uh, he's kind of a big deal, and he is part of every service that we do. And yet, at the same time, uh, today's message in particular is, is for Hope Lower Town. And so, uh, if you're part of Lower Town, I, I want you to, you know, just have open ears and as we go through and kind of cast vision. And I don't, these are always kind of weird sermons, um, because I feel like I do a lot of talking rather than preaching. Uh, and yet I still want to get to the gospel. I still want to get to Jesus and I still want the text, uh, to speak louder than I speak. And so, um, hopefully we can, we can do that. So let me just quickly recap last week. And this is something I shared, um, uh, this summer when we looked at the church of that there are maybe individuals that are exploring faith and they come to this, this time where they die to, die to sin uh, and they become a, a new life in Christ. They go from death to life, darkness to light, and they become a new believer. And they, they desire to maybe join a small group. They want to learn. They're, they're reading their Bible. They're, they're, they're getting into, into studies. They're pursuing maybe a membership or baptism, which uh, ties in nicely. So is that next week? Yes. Next week, the 16th, we're going to have a membership class. Um, a few of you have already emailed me or mentioned that you're going to be uh, joining that class. It doesn't mean you're going to become a member. It just means that you're, what does it look like to actually be a member, 
Uh, what are the pros and cons of being a member? There are no cons, only pros. Uh, and so being a member of saying, no, I, I'm part of this community. What does it look like to, to really say, no, I'm, I'm committed to this. Um, and so if you're interested in it, uh, just let me know. Shoot me an email, just talk to me. Uh, we'll, it's a longer class, three, three-ish hours, so lunch will be provided for that. Uh, and then, and then the, there's going to be a week in between. Uh, there's going to be some uh, children's uh, classroom training, that kind of thing for the volunteers. Uh, and then we're going to be doing January 30th, a baptism class. So if you're, again, doesn't mean you're going to get baptized. Like right after the class, cool, let's get you dunked. That's not how that works. But yeah, I've got questions about baptism. What does it mean to be immersed? What does it mean to be dunked? Why do we get dunked? What's all that about? Uh, well, because that's what we believe. And so you can come to that class, find out more about that. Um, and so that's kind of what happens. You're a new believer. I don't, well, I don't really fully understand this. Why do we do that? Okay, we're kind of exploring these different things and and then it, then it kind of transitions into this growing phase where I'm pursuing Christ. And usually right around, anytime when you look at churches, usually right around the three to five year mark, uh, we get a little bit stagnant, especially in our churches, uh, in our local church, that we start to kind of get a little nitpicky about certain things. Oh, I wish we had this. I wish we had that. I wish the heat worked every week. I wish that we had our own classroom. I wish that, whatever it may be, right? Um, that we start to get a little bit, and, and, and we not necessarily complain. Like, well, I can for sure turn into that. I mentioned that last week. Um, but I mentioned a quote from, from Paul Harvey where he says, we, it, we've turned into keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men that I care more about me, I care more about my church and my, my friends than I do care about people outside of the church. And I want to love them and tell them about the gospel. And, and, it be, and we can become very self-centered and self-focused. And so that other cross then there uh, is, is just that, that I can die to, to self. And looking at Jesus saying, right, if you, you want to follow me, you, you need to deny yourself. That this is not about you, it's not about what you want, it's about Christ. And it's about the church, Big C Church, not, not just necessarily even the local church, although we're going to talk a lot about that today. And so then we become Christ-centered, that I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so I kind of went through our structure last week that we're governance team supported, we're elder-led, we're staff-run, but the big one, the big one, I, I mean, I, honestly, you could erase the top three, and I don't know how much of this we'd really miss, that I really am a big fan of member mobilized. Uh, and if you don't feel that you can do something or you want to lead something or you want to teach something or you want to talk about something, I want you to come talk to me about it. Uh, if you're passionate about something, then that's good. Be passionate about it, but let me help you, all right? Let me help you help me help you. But I can't do that unless you tell me, right? Um, and so that, that's, that's such a big, a big thing. And so again, last week, one of the major things, again, pardon the visual aid, I'm not a graphics guy. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> the best I could do with the uh, tools I had in PowerPoint. Um, that is, so it's supposed to be a river, right? A cross section of a river. So the stream is kind of coming straight at you there. And you've got two banks of the river. The one side is vision and culture. These are our beliefs. You can find them on hopecc.com. These are our elder statement of faith. This is... Um, our vision statement of why we want to help uh, to honor God by helping as many people as possible become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We want to be fully devoted, not just, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, cool. I go to church. Like, no, I want you to be devoted to Jesus. I want you to learn about him and his teachings. And the other side of that, then I put commas in this week, gospel centrality, comma, discipleship, comma, and community. Right? That, that what are we passionate about? What do, we, what do I think that we maybe do well? And I think gospel centrality is a key thing. That anything that we do, I want us to say, why are we doing this? And can we actually say, does this, is this actually centered on the gospel? 
Can we make disciples out of this? Does this build our community? And so when we come up with new things, we're gonna be doing things in the future as a church, as a community, then when we do them, they, they need to fall in these parameters. And if not, then we're not gonna do them. Uh, and so anyways, just wanna kind of give some, some fence lines, if you wanna call it that. And then, and then kind of just to wrap up uh, mainly, kind of looked at this idea of a difference between an attractional church versus a relational church. Uh, look around, we're not a big church. Right, we're not a mega church uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think we do things, certain things well. I think we do them uh, above standard for a church our size for a lot of different reasons. But people don't come here because, oh, by the way, my shirt is probably annoying you. Pluto, never forget, 1930 to 2006 is what it says. <laughs> I saw it on a Good Mythical Morning, Rhett and Link. Anyone know who those guys are? I was watching that and I saw one of them wearing that and I was like, um, I'm getting that shirt. That's, that's awesome. Although, and then, and then like two days after I bought it, I saw on the news, scientists reconsidering naming Pluto a planet. And I was like, what? You can't, you can't, you can't triple stamp with double stamp. That's ridiculous. All right. Where was I? Oh yeah, relational, okay? Nobody's coming here to be like, hey, I want to go hear this guy. I want to be part of it, right? But, but relationships, right? That's what, that's so important. And so we've never had this, you know, the big thing where, you know, there's like a, I don't even know, if you probably didn't even know this, there's like a national invite your friend to church day. Uh, we don't necessarily highlight that, right? We don't like, hey, this is the day that we're all going to invite our neighbors. No, because I want you to feel comfortable doing that every week, right? I want you to be able to invite my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors. I want you to be able to do that. Uh, and so that's a big thing. And so always, no matter what week it is, no matter what text we're going through, is, is the gospel the answer to the problem? Always. Is the gospel the answer to the problem? And then, is Jesus the hero? Again, regardless of the text. And I always want to be thinking about our neighbors. I always want us to be thinking about our coworkers. I always want us to be thinking about that. Uh, that I don't want to offend anybody other than with the gospel. Other than with that Jesus died for your sins. And you are a sinner. And that is very offensive to a lot of people. And we looked at then 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, again, all the, all the text will be on the screen that we'll be going through today. But it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, the idea, again, last week, the kind of the gospel application wasn't, the, the, the goal wasn't, hey, go out and, and, and next week, I want you to invite five people to church. I want you to lead five people to Jesus. I want you to tell five people about Jesus. That's law. And license isn't just like, oh yeah, cool, we're, we're Christ ambassadors, but it doesn't really mean we need to tell people about him. No, but, but because of the love that he has shown us, then we get to, right? We get to actually then share the good news of, of Jesus. And so that brings me into this week's sermon. What is community? I'm gonna be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then 12 through 27. Uh, community is an interesting word. It's one of those words that is used culturally a, a lot. And so what comes to mind when you think of community? What's the first thing that comes to mind? It could be the, the show community. I don't know if it's any good or not. My uh, angel and I a long time ago watched one episode and so I have no idea. It, it seemed like it had potential, but um, there's better things on TV is kind of how I, I felt at the moment. Right, but so what comes to mind, right? It's just a group of people, right? Kind of like the quintessential, like, hey, yeah, we kind of live close to each other. We live in the same building. We live in the same neighborhood. We all of our kids go to the same school. Our kids play in the same soccer program, whatever it may be, right? It's, there's so many different communities out there. And so I, I have a, a kind of a big question that I want us to be thinking about today uh, for the remainder of uh, this morning. 
is what makes Hope Lower Towns Church community different from any other community. And when I initially wrote that, I said, what makes a church community different from any other community? But there's a lot of different churches out there. And, and so it depends on what church are we talking about, right? But what makes Hope Lower Towns, because then I had what makes Hope Community Church's community different, right? But then it's like, well, but even from downtown or Columbia Heights, we're, we're unique, we're different, right? Um, and so I wanted to focus, what, what makes us specifically at Lower Town different from other communities. And while we obviously have a strong connection with Hope Community Church as a whole, we're part of that, I want to focus in on Hope Lower Town. Uh, speaking of good TV, um, this is a show that uh, I nerd out on, and it's called Forge and Fire. I was watching it last night. Angela was with, hanging out with her sisters, and, and I just watched Forge and Fire. What is it? Good question. Uh, it's four blacksmiths uh, who just and have like four hours. They give them like, here's a bunch of bolts and ball bearings. Make me a sword in four hours. It's pretty wild, actually. Um, I feel like I could do it, you know, if I was given the chance. I feel, I've, I've learned so much, right? But what's interesting about the show, they, they say it all the time. I mean, almost every episode where someone's like, uh, I don't know how to do this thing. And then one of the other blacksmiths is like, oh, you do this, Right. And they're like, oh, wow, look at that sportsmanship or, or whatever, you know, you, you could have lost the, lost the last $10,000 by giving that person a piece of advice. And they're always like, well, man, it's all about that blacksmith community. You know what I mean? Like we got, we got this tight community of blacksmiths. And so, so what is it about Hope Community Church Lower Town that's different from the blacksmith community, right? Is it just people who we have, we have a similar interest, right? And so that's why we do things together. We love Jesus. And so then it got me thinking, like, what, what really, really, what makes us stand out? What is different than any kind of, of other community? And I was thinking about, I even just Googled seminary community. This is the first picture that came up. I don't know, random people, looks like a choir practice in a chapel. But when you think about it, it's not just people that even read the Bible or study the Bible together. It's so much more than that. The church isn't just, I have a common interest and the common interest is the Bible, or my common interest is Jesus. It's so much deeper than that, rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, there's a, a book written by Tim Chester, uh, Total Church, and I couldn't find the quote specifically in it. I Googled it, couldn't figure it out, so I gave up. But I remember it was along the lines of this. When your aim is community, you almost never get community. When your aim is mission, you almost always get community. All right, here's, here's what, I don't know, I'm putting maybe reading between the lines, I don't think I am, I think this is the whole point of the book of Total Church, is that a lot of times, like, we, we, we make the joke, we're Hope Community Church, community is our middle name, <laughs> get it? Right, we, we do that a lot, and we, we, we love community, but what is it, right? Because it's not just, I get along with these people, I have a similar interest as these people, that's certainly part of it. But there's a lot of us, right? I mean, there's a lot of us in this room that probably never would have hung out if it wasn't for the church, right? Uh, I was trying to think of something I can't because I love all of you, right? I'm like, I don't know this guy over here. <laughs> like, I would never hang out with this guy, right? Uh, but there's a big part. The church has brought us together. Uh, and, but when you aim for community, this, this happens all the time. I, I, when you think of like, uh, some of you probably live in complexes like this, like an apartment building, you know, they got these great community rooms and it's literally called a community room. Like everyone's just going to go in here and party and hang out together. Like, no, that's not how that works. Right. Uh, I remember living in Uptown, uh, you know, five, six years ago 
And I thought this is going to be so cool. I'm going to get to know all my neighbors. I mean, we live in the same building. We're going to be seeing each other all the time. Never. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, they'd be outside smoking and be like, hey, how's it going? Like, fine, leave me alone. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, it was always like this. It was just always kind of awkward. It was always hard to get to know my neighbors. And I remember when I was looking at buying a house in the burbs, one of my good friends was like, don't do it. If you want community, you're not going to get it out in the suburbs because you got fences and it's like, don't come in my yard. This is my space. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just to like keep my dog from, and my kids from running rampant in the neighborhood, not like don't come in here, right? And, uh, and I've learned it's actually, for me, it's been great. Uh, I've really gotten to know my neighbors. Yesterday, I spent four hours at an indoor playground with my neighbors, you know, um, that there's a difference that comes to that. But when you aim for community, like, yeah, we're going to call this like epic community apartments. You know what I mean? Like we're going to have the, you know, whatever. I don't know where that came from, but you know what I'm saying? When, you, when that's your aim, it usually doesn't happen that way. And so just by saying we're Hope Community Church, that's all hold hands and kumbaya around the campfire. No, it doesn't work that way. But, but if we're on mission together, right? I mean, doing work and the work, not that we want to do, the work that Christ has called us to do, to be ambassadors, to call people, to declare the goodness and the good news of him who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. We get to do that together? That is how you get community. That we have small group. Hey, we're going to get random people from the church. We're going to put them in someone's house and they're all going to become best friends. No, it doesn't work that way. I can love you and not like you. <laughs> That's what happens, right? But when we're on mission together, and if you've ever been like on one of those short-term mission trips, I used to do that back in the day. I've, my, my perspective of that has totally changed. But I remember doing those things. There's people that I remember, I went to Costa Rica for a month and uh, was teaching English down there. And, and, the, and I remember the people that I was doing that with, uh, they're, they're my Facebook friends, but we still talk, right, online. Uh, that there was something that we were doing mission shoulder to shoulder, getting to know people, telling people about Jesus while teaching them English. And I remember that very vividly, that when you're doing a mission together, when you have a common goal, and I think for us, that is to reach people in this neighborhood, in our own neighborhoods, wherever it is that we may live, we almost always get community. Uh, Tim kind of has this, uh, I don't know, this equation that the church equals the gospel plus community that the church isn't just a community group. It isn't just that we're going to hang out. Again, we have this common interest. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for me and has called me to then share the good news about him. And we get to do that now together. It's not a forged and fire community or even we love the Bible community. We are a church and our hope is in Christ with gospel-centered communities, specifically in Lower Town. Hope Community Church, Lower Town. This past summer, we did a series called What's in a Name? And we kind of went through different names of the bride of Christ and the body of Christ and just what does church mean? And I had this quote up here from Mark Dever where it says, the church is the body of people called by God's grace through faith in Christ to glorify him together by serving him in this world. This is something that we do together, that we do something. It's not just sit back, relax, and so it leads me to this phrase, that church is not just what a church can do for you and how to meet your needs. And I say just, really, because we all have relationships that are good, that are needed, that are valuable. I mean, going through COVID this past couple, you know, two years, what was it? The, uh, I just saw a graph or a meme. Memes are still a thing, right? Where it was like, um, 
When we said flatten the curve, we didn't mean flatten it against the y-axis because of, of Omicron right now. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I get it, right? So, uh, right, but, but, so, but relationships within COVID has been great, right? I mean, if, if I didn't have my small group, I mean this, just, just getting to see people, even when it was on screens only, we were doing uh, Zoom for everything. Having that, we had a baby during COVID. I didn't, my wife did, but you know, you know how it works. Uh, and, and so we had, a, we had a baby together uh, and, and just having a meal train and all those different things have just been so good to be in a community like this. And it's not, you don't do that because like, oh, we really care for this baby. That might be true, but we're a family. And that's what we do. You serve me more than my own actual blood relatives did. And I mean that, not to throw them under the bus. So you're not listening anyways. It's not just that, right? Uh, one of the phrases that pastors hear, and I, and I honestly, I can say this, uh, not, not to pat myself in the back. I think you just keep your mouth shut when you should, and I appreciate it, uh, that a lot of congregants will say, I'm just not being fed. I, I'm, I'm leaving you, I'm leaving this church because I'm just not being fed here. All right, and I've not heard that. Uh, they just leave. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, they don't, <laughs> they don't say it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, right, I'm not being fed here, right? That's, and that's, a, that's, not, that's, that's not my goal, right? Uh, now, I want you to learn how to feed yourself. Peter, the apostle Peter says, I, would I want for you to desire the word of God like a baby desires milk. I want you to feast on the milk of the word of God, like a newborn infant feasts on it. And then the apostle Paul, though, he's got issues with milk. Right? He's like, grow up, dog. Right? If you, if you get that reference, grow up. Right? I want you to eat meat. Right? So get off the milk, and I want you to dig in deep. Nowhere is Paul saying, hey, hey, open your mouth like a little baby birdie. Let me vomit into your mouth, and then you can digest it. No, nowhere does he do that. Right? He wants you to eat the meat. Jesus explicitly tells this to the apostle Peter before he's an apostle. John chapter 21 Verse 15 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, the people that are sitting there? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. A lamb is a, uh, a sheep that's less than one year old. So when you eat lamb chops, just a heads up. Again, Jesus said, <laughs> Now I have the song. This is a song that never ends as it goes on. Remember the show, Lamb Child? No. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, I know you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus, again, for the third time says, feed my sheep. You all, I know you know this about me. I'm a sheep, right? I'm an under shepherd of the true shepherd and I love you and I care for you and I wanna shepherd you to the best of my ability, but I'm gonna fall flat in my face because I'm a sinner saved by grace just like everybody else. And I need to be fed and I need to feed myself. It's not like I just have this abundance of food and I'm like, here you go, you get a lamb chop and you get a chop, right? We have to feed one another. We have to feed ourselves. And so the, the Sunday gathering, this moment, is to make you hungry. It's to make you hungry for the word of God. 
And if you say, man, I just don't know if I'm being fed all the time, then my encouragement to you would be then go eat. Go study, read, pray, and do it in community. So again, it's not just what a church can do for you and how to meet your needs, which is a good thing. Uh, Pastor Drew and I, he kind of, he calls these spiritual num-nums. Right, when you have like a congregation and you say something really good and powerful and people are like, "Mm, nom, 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 that's good. Right, spiritual num-noms, right? That's good. But how can we help each other while helping others who even aren't part of our community? How can we love each other bear one another's burdens, love one another, all the one another's in scripture, and then do that for our community. And I think that we're heading in that direction more and more week after week as we're getting to know more people from the community, more connections in this specific community in Lower Town. I'm really excited about that. I mentioned this this past summer as well, but I went to a conference in in Wheaton, Illinois, on um, just a struggle, how hard isolation has been within COVID within the church. And, and uh, uh, Carrie, let us see her. She mentioned this in her talk. She's in times of stress, people need to move from isolation to intimacy. And one of the best ways to do that, honestly, is in the church, that we need to be vulnerable with one another. That's why we have in our small groups, a time of accountability to say, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm struggling with how to discipline my kids and not fly off the handle, right? I, I, I want to be vulnerable with that. And when I do that in isolation, when I just think to myself, and I, hey, I mean, I've been, I've been studying this, I've been thinking about this, cool. I came up with that. I found this new thing. No one's ever found this before. But maybe let's talk about that in community. From isolation to in- intimacy, and, and she introduced me to this term, not like just me, it was a group, it was a lecture, uh, called hemoblind, which literally just means home blind. It's a, a, a Norwegian phrase. Home blind and refers to that universal human truth that one never appreciates the things in one's own backyard, right? The grass is, is always greener. Uh, Ed Stetzer has kind of termed what, we're, what the church is going through right now, uh, the great sort, uh, meaning, and there may be some of you that maybe even fall into this category, and it's okay, that people went from, they go from one church to another church. Like, man, I've been at this church for a long time. COVID made everybody COVID crazy and said, I, I just don't like what's happening right now. I'm going to leave that church and come try something else. And it's this great sort. But then there's also this group of people that have said, why do I need the church? Uh, right? I mean, really, everything's online. My church is online. Why don't I just listen to the pastor that I really like every week? And that'll be my church. Right, why not listen to the Matt Chandlers and the Tim Kellers and whoever else it may be? Why don't I just listen to them every week? They're clearly a better communicator than my pastor. So why wouldn't I just sip my coffee in my bed and listen to Tim Keller every week? You could do that, but that's not church. That's not. That's, that, you can get some more spiritual num-nums from Tim Keller, right? Which is good. Do it. I do it. Actually, I don't. I don't remember last time I listened to Keller. I listen to other people. Tim's great. Tim, we're best buds. <laughs> Talked on the phone last night. That's not true. Um, it's not a church. There's no community. Well, we're our community. That was one of the major decisions that while well, we stopped doing an, the online video broadcast is because, man, I, I want us to be together. I want us to rub shoulders with each other. I want us to see each other. I want us to worship each other. And a big, a big reason why this way of, of, of thinking, this isolation of I can just do this on my own, 
as kind of this, this Western selfish way of thinking. If those of you who grew up with Patch the Pirate, any Patch the Pirate people in here? Calling you a Patch the Pirate. No, never mind. I guess, again, I'm the only weirdo here. Uh, there was a song that he wrote called Me First, and it was supposed to be a selfish thing, right? That's always think of me first, me first, right? Uh, you're like, I don't, stop, move on. I'm moving on. Here's the point. There was kind of this phrase that we used to ask. It's a good phrase. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It kind of became this thing. Like, I mean, instead of like, because people would say, like, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but are you like really a Christian or like one of those Christian Christians? Right? So, the, so it kind of morphed into this phrase, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And that's a great way of thinking. There are a lot of verses when it comes to you need to believe. Whosoever believes in John 3.16, Psalm 23, very well-known passage. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a lot of passages like that, but there's a whole lot more. Uh, I actually even Googled what are the, you know, what are top verses on having a personal relation with Jesus. And by far the majority of them were verses that actually had way more to do about the group, us, we, they. And so it is, and I've mentioned this before, and I, and again, I Googled it. I couldn't figure out who said this. I remember hearing Andy Stanley say it. I think I do. Uh, but maybe it was a dream, right? So I think I've done that before. If I have a dream about somebody saying something, do I get, quote, credit for that? Or does the, my guy in my dream get credit for that? I don't know. Your relationship with Jesus is very personal, but it is not private. It was never meant to be private. That we're not on an island. We don't go to isolation and just worship God by ourselves. We do it as a community. And so there's all these verses that have they, us, brothers and sisters. 1 John 1, 9, if we, can, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's one verse. Five times there are pronouns about the collective group. Your relationship with God is very personal. You trust, you have faith, you ask for forgiveness, you pray, you read your Bible, you study, but we get to do that also in community that it's not private. If you just Google or look up the definition of community, it says a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. That is apartment land in Uptown, right? Just a group of people living in the same place. We're a community. But the second one, uh, the kind of the sub one is like, of, of a, like a religious institution, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. But it's so much more intimate than that. It's the gospel in my heart, in my life, and in action. Yes, I believed it. I died to, to sin, and I went from death to life. But now that I'm here, I'm going to die to self, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to serve others because that's what the gospel calls me to do. This is uh, an image that I've shown many times at, at Lower Town. I know uh, Paul has shown it as well. Um, we'll do a little test. We'll do a little tech. Can I put you on a test? Everyone pull out a piece of paper. I'm just kidding. Does anyone remember what number one is on this? This is uh, from Scott Duvall's book, Grasping God's Word. It's an image I've used that, I don't know, uh, 10 years now. Uh, does anyone remember what number one is? Grasp the text in their town, right? What did it mean to, to the original hearers? We have to start there because a lot of times what we do is we jump to number five, which is grasp the text in my town. And so we read a verse and we go, this is what this means to me wrong. You failed the test. You missed four steps along the way. 
right? You gotta go back and look at the historical context. You gotta understand what it meant. There are some really good inspirational verses, right? They're great. Those are the coffee cup, coffee, coffee cup, coffee mug, what am I saying? Mug verses that are really good. They're inspirational, but a lot of them are pulling out of context. So a grass detects in their town, number two, you gauge the width of the river, culture, language, what covenant are we under, what time, situation, and then you cross the principalizing bridge, number four, you consult the biblical roadmap. Are there other passages that have talked about this throughout the Bible? It's all one story, it's all connected. And then how does this then impact the gospel or how does the gospel influence that, that we read? And now, now we can grasp the text in our town. And so today, I'm not going to take the time to go through all these steps for each and every verse, but looking at, okay, what did this maybe mean to them? And now what does it mean to us? Because when you look at the New Testament, especially epistles or letters that are written to the church, the width of that river is actually very narrow. Uh, there's not a whole lot of differences. Language, it's written in Greek. We don't speak Koine Greek, uh, obviously, anymore. Uh, but there's a little, a couple differences, but it's a letter written to the New Testament church. Newsflash, we are a New Testament church. And so we get to take these things and apply it almost pretty directly. Um, but yet there's going to be some different language. And so let me just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And looking at 12 through 27. It says, just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts are uh, form one body. So it is with Christ, right? So he's making an analogy. And, and Paul kind of sometimes will flip around and, and mix analogies. He does a really good job of sticking to this one. Uh, there's one body. And this body is an analogy of the church with Christ. He's the head. He's the head and we're the body, the church. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So when, when Paul is writing this and he says, we're one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, what he meant by that was if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, or if you're a slave or if you're free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. Right? Our, our culture is a little bit different. Right? None of us go around and identify, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Are you an Israelite? We don't, we don't do that. We have our own problems and our own ethnic ways of, of differentiating, right? But it was either Jews or the Gentile dogs, right? That was how they viewed it. It's not that way anymore. It doesn't matter if you're that or you're this. It doesn't matter if you're educated, uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. We are all given to the same spirit to drink. Everybody, even. Even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. So saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a body. There's one body, but we're made up of a lot of parts. Continuing here. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where should the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Again, maybe just to understand this in our, in our context, I think what can happen is that when we sit and we think church is about me, this church is never going to be about you. Uh, that if you are a married couple and you have kids, you think this church only cares about 
young people and singles. If you're single and you're young, you're gonna go, this, this church only cares about married people and kids and families, right? It's just, it's just how, it's our nature. It's our, it's our way. But the, but the thing is, it's not how that works. That because we do something for a hand doesn't mean that we don't care about the foot. And when we do something for our eye, doesn't mean we don't care about the ear. We are a body. And I think if, if we can re- look back to when we did the, uh, the uh, candy thing in the trunk, the trunk retreat, that was a really cool experience to see people uh, married, single, with kids, no kids, come out and open up their trunks and say, hey, we want to serve not only our young people at our church, but also the, the community at large. And I, that was such a great, that was such a cool thing to see. Moving on, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Or our children's volunteers can't say to the parents, I don't need you. Or the worship team can't say to the AV team, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. What Paul is saying here is that those of us who are up front might be seen, maybe are behind the scenes doing some certain things, but you know it's me. Clearly I'm doing stuff. Paul's doing stuff. The worship teams are doing things. We're no big deal. That's literally what Paul is saying. I'm not a big deal. But you know what is a big deal? The people behind the scenes getting the work done, sharing the gospel, living their lives together. There's no greater honor to the parts that, are, that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. There's a reason why organs are called vital organs, right? They're doing things. You don't even see it. You don't see my heart. You don't see my lungs. You don't see things that are keeping me alive. Is skin a vital organ? Okay, you can see skin. All right, that's, if I didn't have my skin, I'd, I probably wouldn't be here, right? So, okay, so skin's vital. All right, never mind. Analogy broke, that broke down. <laughs> You can't see most of my skin, see? So it still kind of works. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 says this. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Uh, my whole life I played football, and uh, a lot of you know that about me. And, you know, four years of, of college football, never once. I had injuries, broken collarbone, but never once did I ever injure my knees or my ankles or my legs. Never once. Uh, you know, high school playing basketball and football. Never one time that I have any kind of, maybe rolled my ankle, been playing basketball, but nothing major. Uh, and I remember though, after all of that, I was still young, I was 25 and I was teaching uh, junior high girls uh, PE. And I uh, was like, hey, I'm gonna teach you guys how to do a layup. And you're just gonna jump off your left leg. <laughs> Done, right? Just, just out, right? And, and, and what's interesting is that when you hurt yourself, uh, you stub a toe or you break a little pinky finger, right? Aaron Rodgers, little toe, little, little pinky toes hurt, uh, keeps you out for a while, right? Uh, right? You, you, there's injuries that you get and what happens, your whole body goes to that thing to aid it, right? It's just like, oh, why, right? You just, you want it, every, every ounce of you just wants to aid the thing that hurts. So it is with us. That when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. And within our context, this could just be somebody who's hurting emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, fill in the blank. That when one of us hurts, we all hurt. And as, as your friend, as your pastor, this stuff keeps me up at night. And it shouldn't, 
but I love you and I care for you. And when you hurt, I hurt deeply. But we are also part of the body that when one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That we want to celebrate, and I mean this, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do this. I want to celebrate people's singleness. I want to celebrate births. I want to celebrate marriages. We are in this together, and I want to celebrate you together. And we should honor one another with that. And when one part's honored, we all get to rejoice with that. Someone gets a promotion that maybe you wanted. Someone got a job that you've been praying for. We should love and enjoy the fact that somebody got that. We rejoice with one another. Now, you are that body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. This is very personal, but it is never private. So in conclusion, I do want to ask that age-old question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Because it is that. Do you believe? But what's kind of oxymoronic about the whole thing is that to be part of the actual community that is gospel-centered, that loves Jesus, that wants to pour itself back out into the community and into one another, in order to be part of that, you need to believe that it is both personal and very public. So in gospel application and conclusion, this next year, I want you to see gospel-centered community at Hope Lower Town. And I mean this, if you're not finding it, reach out. Right? You, could, you can member, member mobilize yourself and ask for help. And I'm just struggling with this. I don't know how to find a group like that. I don't, I'm just not finding my best friends. I don't, nowhere does it say that the Bible you're going to find your best friends in your church, but you should find support and love and help. That you should find. And if you're not feeling that, let's talk. But gospel-centered, a deep, intimate relationship Right? And again, looking at those three things we talk about, is Jesus the hero of the story? Is the gospel the answer to the problem? That today, the problem presented could be, yeah, man, maybe I'm not seeking community as well as I should. Maybe I'm not as involved as I should be. So I'm going to do more. I'm going I'm to uh, sign up for more things. I'm going to take this class. I'm going to uh, volunteer for this and that. That's great, but don't do that out of obligation. Right? My heart does not beat out of obligation. Maybe it does. See, i got to stop with these. I don't know. That's an involuntary action, right? No, voluntary. How's that work? For, I took science, you know, in sixth grade. I remember these things. <laughs> I'm just going to keep moving on. Don't do it out of obligation. I want you, again, because of what Christ has done for you, it's not I have to, it's I get to. I get to serve. I get to love. I get to care for. I get to help. I get to share. We're going to, as we do every week, have a time of communion. Uh, that we have the little wafer that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us, the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the only offensive thing I want to have in this church. Um, besides Pluto becoming a planet again. This is offensive. This is offensive of staring someone in the face and saying, you are a sinner in need of a savior. And Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. That, that might offend people, and rightly so. But to see him, and now we get to, like we do every week, 
that if you're a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to partake of these elements. And so while you grab those, you personally need to stand up, you need to walk forward, you need to grab these, these elements and go and sit down and pray or whatever it is that you end up doing in that time, repenting of sin, of, of, of just thinking about what it is and remembering, that's the whole point of this, is to remember, do this in remembrance of me, what that Christ did for us on the tree so many years ago, that you do that. That's an in, it's a very personal, private thing. And yet, it's not private when you stand up as a body of Christ and you receive the body of Christ through these elements. And I can see you, that we're in this together, that we are a community, not because we have this weird ritual of eating some wafers and drinking juice, but because we do it to remember the finished work of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and your sins. And I can look up and I can see you grab these and I can say, that's my brother, that's my sister. That's why we do this. That's what makes Hope Community Church Lower Town different from a yacht club or from Forge in the Fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, I, I thank you that um, we can gather together and we can open up your word, infallible word of you that you've spoken these things to us, that we can then in turn share them with not just ourselves privately and personally and deeply and intimately, but with one another, that we get to do this as a community, as you have commanded us to do so. You've called us to be a body. You've called us to help each other in times of need, and you've, helped, you've called us to rejoice with one another in times of joy and happiness. So I pray now that as we take these elements and we viscerally get to taste and see and remember what it is that Christ did for us on the cross, knowing that we have offended you, that we have fallen short of your glory, and you sent your Son. The only way possible to forgive us of our sins was for you to write yourself into the story, become a human being, and die for my sins that we would remember the sacrifice that you have made for us, the sacrifice of taking on flesh, and dying, but not staying in the grave, rising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father. And so, God, I pray now that as we partake of his elements, that we would repent, we would worship, we would honor you, and that you would feel honored, you would feel glorified from your church rejoicing in the finished work of your Son on the cross. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.